This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. the mom room podcast my name is renee rena and i am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted if you're like me you googled everything that was happening to you in your pregnancy and in postpartum and before you could even finish the sentence in the google search bar it showed up that it was hormones causing all your issues When I was pregnant, I remember thinking, how in the hell do hormones cause all this shit? Like, how is this possible? And why does nobody talk about hormones? So when Dr. Watson and I were thinking about a topic that we could chat about on the podcast and she mentioned that she does a lot of hormone stuff, I was like, okay, this is our topic. We need to know about hormones. Dr. Watson is a naturopathic doctor in Ontario, Canada, and in this episode, we chat about what a naturopathic doctor is and how they can help women in pregnancy and in postpartum. We get into hormones. I literally asked her what the hell is a hormone because I wasn't even sure myself. I think, you know, we hear about it and we just kind of say it nonchalantly, but what is a hormone? So she explains that for us. We talk all about the significant hormone changes during pregnancy and also in postpartum. So what is actually happening to your hormones and what kinds of things are these changes causing? We talk about low mood in postpartum or what people call baby blues. I hate that term, but that's what people call it. And also what is normal baby blues or low mood and what is not normal? The most interesting part of the conversation for me was when we talked about breastfeeding and hormones. And after talking to lots of women about their breastfeeding experiences, I kind of clued in that, you know, a lot of the issues that women experience, whether it be a low mood whenever they breastfeed or not feeling connected to their baby while they breastfeed, is probably related to hormones. We also talk about one of my favorite topics, which is the six-week postpartum checkup, and we talk about how nothing magic is happening at the six-week mark. And of course, she gives us her top three resources for moms. I love how I had to record this intro piece today because this episode is coming out tomorrow. And of course, there's people fixing our driveway outside and the dogs are losing their minds downstairs. So if you can hear little asshole Pomeranians barking in the background of this introduction, I apologize. I don't have a studio. I'm just up in my closet. So I do what I can. Anyways, get out a pen and a piece of paper. You're going to want to take notes and you may find that a lot of issues you're experiencing are due to hormones. So without further ado, here is my episode with Dr. Watson. Today I'm talking with Dr. Danielle Watson, who's a naturopathic doctor. She is known as the Mother Doctor on Instagram, which is like the best account name I think I've heard. 
Her slogan is being a mom is not a diagnosis, uh, which is amazing. And she helps moms or women planning to become a mom thrive and navigate the preconception, the pregnancy and the postpartum period. So before we get into our topic, which is uh, mostly hormones, I thought maybe you could tell us what a naturopathic doctor is and how they might differ from a medical doctor. Yeah, for sure. Um, So essentially, you know, we do natural interventions, for lack of a better word, you know, we're looking at things like your dietary habits, your lifestyle, Um, we do acupuncture, herbal medicine, supplements, those kinds of things. You know, I work adjunctively a lot with other medical doctors, especially um, given what I do, you know, especially um, OBs. So we offer kind of like a different side to care. So, you know, you can get your, your medications, you can get that kind of emergency care from your medical doctor. But from us, you're looking at more of that, that lifestyle care, that um, preventative care, that sort of aspect. So with pregnancy and postpartum, I think it's, you know, it's so important, we're setting ourselves up for a healthy pregnancy, a healthy um, postpartum recovery, but also, you know, you're setting your baby up for for a healthy life going forward um, with what you are doing during that time. So it's helpful to kind of have like, you know, both at that time. So with regard to women that are in preconception or pregnancy or postpartum, what are like, what would you say are the most common issues that you see women coming to see you for? Um, Preconception, we're mostly, you know, we're getting the body ready for a healthy pregnancy and postpartum. I think, you know, a lot of women now we're, we're delaying when we're, um, when we're having kids compared to, you know, generations before, like, you know, the 1950s, that kind of thing. Um, A lot of us have, you know, busy careers or busy lifestyles before. And so it's really about getting your body set up for a healthy pregnancy through your your nutrition, being sure that your hormones are as healthy as they can be so that um, becoming pregnant is easier. Um, And then during um, pregnancy, uh, we're working on kind of all those typical pregnancy symptoms that are super uncomfortable. Um, Things like nausea and vomiting in the first trimester. We're working on prepping you for labor in the third trimester. And then postpartum, um, I'm trying to help women so that they aren't having issues for years to come after giving birth. Because I find in our society, we very much are like, like we're comfortable with women having all these symptoms after having given birth that aren't necessary to be there. They, They can be helped. So I feel like that's that's kind of like a huge focus for me um, and for my patients is kind of setting up their pregnancies and their postpartum so that they are healthy for the rest of their lives, um, as opposed to kind of dealing with these these like symptoms of motherhood that we've kind of accepted as a society as being just part of it. Right. And the more I speak to people that are in the healthcare field, the more I realize it's so good to get different perspectives from a variety of different healthcare providers. You know, like we we think like, okay, we go to the doctor for the six-week checkup. They said everything's fine. It's fine. Like I'm fine. Whatever I'm dealing with now, I just have to live with. But that's not the case. And it's like, you know, we should be seeing physiotherapists, pelvic floor uh, therapists, chiros, naturopathic doctors. Like there's so many different healthcare providers that we can benefit from seeing. And so I think conversations like this are good because it 
kind of, you know, maybe someone was thinking, oh, I didn't even realize I could go see a naturopathic doctor for these things, you know? Mm-hmm. 100%. I always say for my patients, I'm like, this is a team-based approach to care. You know, I never, I have what I focus in and what I can help you with, but I also know that like the pelvic floor physiotherapist can make sure that you're not peeing your pants every time you jump and like other things like that, that like, you know, you see on um, Facebook groups and things and people will say like, I went for a jog and I, I peed a little and everybody's like, oh, well, welcome to motherhood. That's how it is. And so I want, I want people to be aware of that. And then I want to be sure that we get you the right professional for that symptom, you know? Totally. So today our topic is focusing on hormones, which when I think of hormones, I, you know, I don't, I don't know much about them. I'm not educated on hormones, but I remember being pregnant and even in the postpartum and anytime I would have some kind of unusual thing going on and I Googled it because that's what I do. It was like the explanation was always hormones. And I was like, oh, my God, hormones literally cause all these things, but we're not taught about hormones at all. So. I'm happy to have this conversation. And my first question, which is probably a funny question, is what is a hormone? For sure. So, yeah, I feel like we often talk about hormones and we have no idea what we're what we're even saying. Yes. So essentially, yeah, like it's like, oh, those are just those things that make my life hell, right? um, But essentially, like hormones are messengers within our body. So there's something that is going to send a signal from one place to another and tell our body to do an action. So for example, like when we're not pregnant and we're having our menstrual cycle, you know, we we have hormones that signal ovulation to happen. And then we have different hormones that signal our period to start. So they kind of have like, they're like messenger, chemical messengers in our body. Perfect. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner. I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. 
We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. So obviously there's a lot going on with our hormones when we get pregnant and in the postpartum period. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering if you could just kind of walk us through what the major hormones are that are in play during those times and what they're doing and you know when they're uh when there's like a surge or like a drop in the hormones what we would be experiencing because of that 100% I feel like I was gonna say like I feel like we all think of our hormones postpartum and we think of like a roller coaster ride where it's just like up and down like all over the place we don't know what's gonna happen but it's really more so in the postpartum, it's more so like, you know, like drop zone at Wonderland, they just take a nosedive. Um, so we have like, um, estrogen and progesterone are some of the, you know, the hormones we often think of when we think of like women's hormones. And so those guys, they rise, um, progesterone is something like 300 times its normal levels in the body while we're pregnant. It helps us maintain our pregnancy. And it is like, pumped out by that placenta to um to maintain the pregnancy and then um estrogen is also quite high so these are these are like taking you know a number of birth control pills a day like the levels in your body are what they call supraphysiologic they're just so much higher than they normally are um and so that's that's to maintain the pregnancy and then as soon as you give birth to the placenta and that is gone your hormones start this this nosedive. So they're not on a roller coaster, they're on a nosedive. And the crazy thing is, is this is the biggest drop, biggest change really in anyone's hormones ever across their lifespan. You know, we think of, you know, had the crazy changes in puberty or in menopause, but postpartum, it's it's literally from sky high back down to a baseline within like three days. So this is pretty significant. And that's why, you know, you experience some of the symptoms you do in that like immediate postpartum time is because of this, this rapid, rapid drop in estrogen and progesterone. Um, and then at the same time, um, prolactin, another hormone that's involved, it's mostly involved in milk production, um, that starts to rise as soon as the placenta is delivered. Um, so prolactin is another key player. Hmm. Um, and so it's getting ready. Um, if you were to breastfeed, it's getting ready for that. Um, and interestingly, prolactin, um, it inhibits or it stops the rise of another thing. It's called a neurotransmitter or a brain chemical um, called dopamine. And dopamine, if you've heard of that, that can be a bit of a, a pleasure hormone. And so some women, when they first start breastfeeding, they might notice um, when the milk starts flowing, when they get that letdown response 
they might notice a change to their mood. Um, it's called uh, dysphoric milk ejection reflex. A lot of people have it and don't have a word for it, but um, it's where you're breastfeeding and suddenly you get like really sad feeling. It's because of this, this drop in dopamine. Um, so you have these kind of, you know, your estrogen's plummeting, your progesterone's plummeting, your prolactin's rising, your dopamine's not able to get out. And then you have this other hormone called oxytocin, which um, a lot of people have heard of as the love hormone or the bonding hormone. And so that one, um, that one starts rising, um, whether you're breastfeeding or if you're just doing skin to skin, um, essentially it's, it's that bonding hormone. So it's released when we're, we're with a loved one, um, especially postpartum with that baby doing skin to skin. Um, so that one often does a lot of good effects for our bodies. It helps us as we are recovering to feel a little bit more positive <laughs> um, and blunt those other guys that um, are making us feel a little bit different. Yeah, that's so interesting. Would women vary in the amount that these hormones are changing? So, you know, it's when you talked about the one that can give you kind of a low mood when you start breastfeeding, can that vary? Because I was just thinking about conversations that I've had in the last couple of weeks with women, like women have been telling me their breastfeeding stories. And so many women have mentioned that they felt guilty or like there was something wrong with them because when they would breastfeed their babies, they didn't feel like this positive connection and, you know, like loving feelings that other moms experience. So when you said that, I was just like, oh, my God, like it could be this hormone which is what's making them feel kind of like the low mood. Yeah, I think it's, it's we're all within, say, a range of each other, but it's our sensitivity to those changes. So some of us, you know, genetically or whatever, we, we have a different sensitivity. Um, some of us, um, that drop in estrogen really is not um, nice for us. And there's a rise in something else that can contribute to postpartum depression. For other people that that drop in that dopamine that doesn't make us feel so happy, that we're really sensitive to it. And so we get that like not so nice feeling. Um, so it depends on like our sensitivity to those hormonal fluctuations. And we're all different for that kind of thing. So the the drop in, in the hormones is expected, like you were saying, day three to day 10, I think. Mm -hmm. So if if they don't, I'm assuming some people, their hormones don't regulate properly after those 10 days. And is is that kind of why when you go to the doctors and, you know, you have I we both we discovered that we both hate the term baby blues. But when you have a low mood, yep. <laughs> when you have a low mood, they say, you know, if it's not resolved within two weeks, come back and see me. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm assuming some people's hormones don't rise back up and regulate properly. Kind of. So our hormones, it depends on if we're breastfeeding or not. So if you're if you're breastfeeding, your hormones actually stay low until you, um, you until you get your period back. If you are formula feeding, um, your cycle can return quite quickly. So after that six week mark, you might have your your cycle returning pretty soon after that. And so your hormones start going through their their normal fluctuations that they had before you got pregnant. Um, what else can happen is um, you know postpartum depression can come from a number of different things that kind of continuation or worsening of those baby blues kind of idea. 
Um, other things can be at play too, you know, um, factors like our, how our thyroid hormones are doing, um, how our iron uh, levels in our body are, how we're eating, how we're sleeping, all those fun things that get really messed with uh, postpartum, that can also be contributing. Um, and then like how we feel, like, do we feel supported? Um, did we have a traumatic birth? Did we... Um, did we uh, experience any other issues going on? Those can all be at play. Other hormones, um, things like our, our cortisol, which is a lot of people know of as our, our stress hormone, um, that, can, that is uh, higher in women who experience postpartum depression, postpartum than other women um, who are postpartum without postpartum depression, I guess. Um, so that, that stress hormone can be higher and some of us are just more sensitive to it and that can be another factor at play so there's a whole bunch of i guess converging and different reasons like a lot of mental health issues there's there's not just like always one factor at play um there can be a bunch of different things that can contribute to the onset and to be honest like they're still figuring it out like the research the research on postpartum depression it's it's still very lacking compared to you know other forms of depression i think like getting funding and researching and looking at these like women's mental health issues are it's just not um, there yet. I hope we're moving towards it. But yeah, I wonder, this is just like a random thought that I had. So talking about the the breastfeeding, and the hormones that you know, that come into play with breastfeeding. I, I wonder if there's a difference when you're pumping versus when your child is actually nursing. Yeah, like you're not getting the the positive the positive feedback of nursing your actual child, and when you're pumping, like maybe this is why so many women absolutely yeah. hate pumping and feel so horrible pumping. Man, I I totally I totally agree with you. And I actually I looked into this um, a couple months ago when I had a number of patients who were exclusively pumping, um, and I was wondering like what what's going on, like you know how is this different? And you know there's like literally two articles on mood and exclusively pumping because no one when they're doing the research and obviously you know a lot about this when they're when they're putting the populations and they're not specifying the difference between like like just general lactation like breastfeeding pumping they're not specifically going through who's just pumping and who's breastfeeding who's breastfeeding and pumping a little bit so they're not like differentiating within the research so there's no studies on mood and exclusively pumping which I hope is an area that we'll look into. I found like one study where they were, they literally looked at like mom Facebook groups and what women were reporting as a way of like analyzing how people were feeling. And they were just like, we don't have enough information as the result of the study, um, which is so sad because like, it, it would make sense that like, you know, without that skin to skin, you're not getting that oxytocin, you're not feeling that and that can contribute to you know how our output is um in terms of like milk supply um you know a lot of people will say have a picture of your baby nearby so that you can um release some of that oxytocin but they don't really know what that does to our mood which is uh, it just needs to be researched yeah this episode is brought to you by little spoon 
If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Lil Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon Plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner. They have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment and there's also a glossing detangler, which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. Going back to the low mood or, you know, baby blues, <laughs> as some people call it. Um, <laughs> when, do you, first of all, do you have tips? So if someone is in that three to 10 day range and they feel like they're having a low mood, what are some things that they could do at home to try and alleviate some of that? For sure. I would say like, it's, it's weird, but no, like my number one thing would be like during pregnancy, know what's normal and what's not like know what to expect um, with that change to mood and, and know when you need to get help. Um, so like it is normal with those, those baby blues to feel like a range of emotions. You know, you feel like you're going to cry at one minute, um, but then at the same time, you're just like so in love with your baby and you feel happy and you feel like all emotions more intensely during that time. Um, whereas with like postpartum depression, our predominant mood is low. Like we, we just, we don't feel some of those happy emotions as well. Um, so knowing like what to expect is key um, because then you're not thinking like something's wrong with you or something's abnormal or anything like that, which can cause obviously like a lot of anxiety around that. I, I find, you know, if you have um, some support um, that can be really helpful for those first few days because it is a huge, huge adjustment. So, 
you know, whether it's, it's family or it's friends or it's hired help, like a doula or someone to clean your house or someone, you know, even just ordering food, that kind of thing, having support can be huge for that time. You know, sleeping if possible, really focusing just on that recovery as opposed to kind of all the other things that um, we often get back to trying to, you know, engage back in our daily life right away. Um, especially, especially for moms who've had, um, you know, C-sections, really focusing on recovery exclusively because it is a, a major abdominal surgery. Um, so we want that there and that can be helpful for our mood. And then eating really nourishing foods, um, both like foods with good nutritional content, but also foods that traditional and from different cultures around the world, we see everybody's really reaching for these, these warm and cooked and soft foods during the postpartum because they're easy to digest. And I think having those on hand can be really, really helpful for us. You know, if you can make meals during during pregnancy, that can be so critical because, you know, postpartum, you're not going to have the same time to kind of take care of yourself. And as moms, we often kind of push ourselves to last, which isn't good for our mood. Yeah. This makes me think about, you know, you're saying just take time to focus solely on yourself, recovery and the baby. Mm -hmm. And that is my favorite topic because all about <laughs> yep. not having visitors after birth. And and I'm not talking about, you know, like my mom coming over and making meals and cleaning and helping mm -hmm. us. I'm talking about visitors that just want to come and see the baby. Like, no, they can wait. Just focus on yourself, you know? 100%. I honestly, I feel like that's why I like started listening to your podcast. I love that episode where you talked about that because it's like, it's such a, you know, within different traditional forms of medicine, Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine, they talk about a new mom being energetically open in the postpartum, which is like, you know, kind of a out there kind of idea. But at the same time, if you think about like how what you've just gone through the intensity of the labor process, the intensity of postpartum, and then like your recovery, you don't really want other people in your space that you're not like feeling safe with and feeling trusted with, you know, you, it might be just a friend, but if, if they're coming into that, that healing space, it can be really overwhelming for you when your emotions are already so, so raw. And I feel like our Western culture doesn't really have the, the respect for that initial postpartum like time, whereas across the world and historically, we, we used to have that. We used to really, um, respect that initial those initial few weeks where we needed that recovery. Yeah, it's crazy. And you nailed it by saying we don't respect it. Yeah, like not at all. It's like, oh, someone just gave birth. It's not even it's not even a thought, right? Like what did she actually just go through? And she's having to take care of like a newborn now. People have no like when I've made and it sounds funny because it's TikToks, but when I've made TikToks about this topic, to see some people's reaction about just just like just a TikTok about not wanting visitors after giving birth. It's like, yeah, big whoop. You just had a baby. Like, what's the big deal? Like you, you want someone to come over and bring you food? Like, give me a break. And it's like, oh, my God, what is wrong in the world today? It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. Whereas like, you know, I've read a bunch into this like different cross-cultural and historical practices and there's places where you're like revered like you are given the same ceremony as like a warrior returning from battle because of what you just did to bring literally a new human into the world but 
<laughs> whatever you don't need rest like it doesn't make it doesn't make sense right like it's so it's so different than how women have done things for like centuries it's so it's so 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 different like it's like we're starting to realize like the needs of the baby in that fourth trimester that they need to be held they need to be like cuddled like all these wonderful things that you think you just naturally do with a newborn um but like we, we don't think of the needs of the mother the same like where is she still in that fourth trimester too she's like you're for the next 12 weeks you are healing and like you need that like that healing space because your body is going through literally like some of the most intense physiologic changes across the lifespan like not just hormones but your immune system your brain is like changing radically and the studies on this are incredible but your brain is literally undergoing some of the greatest changes that we see ever like they are literally comparing adolescence to new motherhood and they're like I think new motherhood actually changes the brain more and we don't we don't like respect that we don't have knowledge on that yet and it's it's just interesting to see as like you know researchers are looking into this more how significant this time really is you know yeah and it breaks my heart when I hear people's stories and you know, they have all these feelings, they're trying to recover, it's such a difficult time. And when close family or friends aren't respecting that, women don't want to speak up for themselves. Like they, they will just kind of go through with it, have visitors over, appease everybody else, let people pass their baby around while they're, you know, raging with anxiety. And they don't say anything. And it's like, Oh, I wish I could, I want to be like, this warrior that like, you know, if you have a baby, I'll come to your house and I will fight people with swords. And (laughs) (laughs) no, like it lights you up because you're like, I remember how I felt in that space. And like seeing someone else hold your baby when you wanted them back or if they were crying and you were like, no, 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 (laughs) give give them back. Uh, It's so it's so intense. With regard to the low mood, I'm just curious if someone, you know, wanted to go to a naturopath doctor to, you know, get help with low mood. What are some of the things like what would that appointment look like? For sure. So some of the biggest things I'm looking at is how your nutritional status is. So different things like um, low iron, um, low B12, um, low vitamin D, um, and and issues with um, your thyroid hormone postpartum. Those are some of the main things that can contribute to something like postpartum depression. And so we're often taking a look at those. We're seeing like blood work, you can test all of those levels and then supplement accordingly. And then I'm often making a referral well, pretty well always to a psychotherapist or a clinical psychologist, because um, I think a lot of us, we we think the mood can just be normally like that. Like we just had a baby, it's to be expected. Um, Whereas somehow having someone else tell you and give you that permission to book an appointment with with a therapist can be huge for a person. and, And it really you know, the research is showing how amazing that can be. But yeah, from my perspective, I look a lot at the the nutritional aspects because those in turn help our hormonal health, if that makes sense. Um, so it's kind of like we go a little bit upstream and we help those other aspects, um, especially just, you know, postpartum or well, really pregnancy, labor, postpartum and, and breastfeeding. If you're doing that, those are all 
very, very nutritionally demanding jobs. Like you are creating new life, you are birthing new life, and you are feeding new life. Like that is so much on your body. Um, so I often see those as kind of being the bigger contributing factors that then downstream help everything else. But oftentimes we need that 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 therapy as well for talking through like you know, a traumatic birth or a lack of support or how, you know, breastfeeding struggles, all these different things that come up. And of course, you know, medication, if, if it's needed to that, that can be a huge game changer for a lot of women. Totally. If just to kind of if people are listening and, you know, they're going to give birth soon or what are some foods like if you, you know, if someone's going to I'm going to go to the grocery store and stock up on these foods that are going to help promote wellness in this period of my life, what things would you tell them to pick up? Uh, for sure. I feel like making soups and stews is is amazing for your body postpartum. Most uh, traditional cultures will look at things like bone broths because they, you know, they're an electrolyte. They're, um, they're helpful for your digestive health. They're, there are lots of collagen support, which is important for like our tissue healing. Um, so that would be a key thing to be making or to stock up on. Um, and then different uh, iron rich foods, you know, having having proteins on hand, having, um, you know, your, your meats and, and things like that. And then um, dark leafy green vegetables are high in a lot of the B vitamins. They're also higher in iron. Um, so having those um, and really focusing on um, warm and cooked and if possible, something that you can eat mostly one handed um, because you're probably going to be holding a baby while you're eating at the same time. Um, so, so kind of focusing around that, um, those can be, those can be some of the big, biggest players for you, like warm, uh, cooked and nourishing foods are, are the number one. Awesome. So yeah, definitely worth, I guess, making a bunch of it ahead of time and freezing it and then just defrosting as you go. That's helpful. I think it makes it so much easier. <laughs> or even like Uber Eats and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's great. Yeah. If you have that available to you, take advantage of that. 100%. You know, we talk about like the village raising our kids, but we don't talk about like the modern village of things like like Uber Eats or like daycare for older kids or like whatever it is. Yeah. Like it's not just the family unit anymore. It can be that kind of like like hired help, I guess, for back of a better word. Like, yeah, that's so funny because I just started writing a chapter to work on a book and I literally wrote a paragraph about, you know, the saying it takes a village to raise a child. But that village nowadays looks different than what it did before. And so your your village can include the frickin' Uber Eats guy and, you know, the daycare teacher, the early childhood educators, like athletic coaches, nannies, you know, the village. We have to start thinking about the village differently and not putting families down because they are utilizing this as their village yeah totally I love that topic 100% like <laughs> I so so agree <laughs> one thing that we were going to talk about on this episode and that you had a post about was that nothing magic happens at the six-week checkup and I love this topic I think you know every healthcare provider that I've talked to so far we always say something about this six-week checkup and how it's kind of yeah. bs and it sets unrealistic expectations mm -hmm. for people and it also kind of gives moms i think this false sense of 
like, well, everything's fine now. Like, I'm good. So, yeah, what's your perspective on the six-week checkup and how nothing magic is actually happening at six weeks? 100%. Like, I feel like our society has it so, so ingrained in us that postpartum ends at six weeks and that's just, that's done and you can go back to sex and you can go back to exercise and you're back to your normal and you should be back to your normal. And that's just not the case. And that's where I think we see so much of these, like what I call the the symptoms of motherhood being dismissed by like both ourselves, our friends, our family, our, you know, our, even our doctors, some of the time, it's just like, oh, you were already past six weeks. You got that clearance checkup. Um, so you're good, which isn't isn't the Mm -hmm. case um you know at six weeks postpartum essentially your cervix has closed your uterus has decreased in size often all the way back to its non-pregnant position um you know sutures have dissolved if you had any tearing um your c-section incision is healing um you're probably not bleeding anymore you know you're not experiencing that postpartum bleeding but really that six-week checkup is really the standard time just for tissue and wound healing. It's not, it's not magic. It's not something like six weeks is just the end. Um, you know, we, we grow a human from scratch or more than one human. Um, you, you generated that, you know, all those, your, your body provided all of the resources into making that new person. Um, you've carried that person for nine months, which is a huge, huge demanding task of the body and then you birth that person which is probably you know one of the most physically demanding things that your body can do so six weeks really doesn't whatsoever encompass the recovery that's needed after that um and so our culture gets this this like really this bounce back kind of culture um where it's expected that like at six weeks okay now you can like bounce back and you'll be you'll be recovered um and we don't put any of those supports in place like you know you were saying like you get judged for using your village you get you know you don't look at your nutrition you don't look at how your how your body mechanics are how your how your wounds are healing how really anything is happening and so you know what what i was seeing when i first started practicing um was a lot of um a lot of menopausal women who were you know they were in their 50s ish um, and they were coming in to see me and they were telling me, um, you know, what they, what had brought them in, you know, if it was um, anxiety or insomnia or weight gain or low libido or like any number of different things. And when I would ask them, like, when that issue had started, they would tell me it started like after they had had their kids and their kids were now like 30 year old adults. And so it just became this thing where I was realizing all of like they would they would say to me that you know I was a mom of course like I couldn't sleep of course I had anxiety or of course I you know I had no libido or whatever it was and we would be able to look into what was happening for them and oftentimes it would be um, something nutritional or something else going on that we could fix and it was like they'd been able to just write off all of those symptoms for years because they were a mother. Um, and so, like I say, like being a mom isn't a diagnosis. Um, we can do something about this. And so the six week check, I think had really like set in their minds and like everybody in their life's mind that once that six weeks was old, over, everything that came up after that or with that was just something you just dealt with because you've had kids. 
And that's really, really not the case. And there's so much that we can do, you know, myself, other healthcare professionals to get you feeling like well into motherhood. Totally. And I think the thing also that drives me insane about the six week checkup is that it puts everyone like we all had the exact same experience. Uh, like, no, we're all healing differently. We all had a different experience. Some of us had C-sections. Some of us had traumatic birth experiences. Like some of us had a regular vaginal birth. Everyone has such different experiences and different recovery experiences. So how can you just like group us all into this one group and say at six weeks, we'll just give you the go ahead and that's it. Crazy. Like your stitches have dissolved, but like they don't check you, you know, like a, the, the way a pelvic floor physiotherapist would. And they, they say right away, go back to sex, go back to your normal exercise, but they don't give guidance on what that looks like. And like, yeah. you know, we check in with mood and um, I'm part of a, a group called the Canadian Perinatal Mental Health Collaborative. And we're trying to have Canada have a bit more of a, a national mental health strategy for women in this pregnant and postpartum time. Because right now, it's really you do that quiz at your doctor's office, and you may or may not be referred to a program or to a clinical psychologist or to a psychotherapist. Like it's really depends on where you are located and depends on where what access to resources your community has. Um, and it's so crazy at that six week checkup, if, if things aren't looked into, you probably won't see your doctor for like another year. Um, and a lot of women are suffering during that time, you know? Yeah, women are suffering, but you bring your child in every couple weeks so that they can measure his head. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like literally. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, okay. So one of the last things we'll talk about is resources that you would recommend for moms so mm -hmm. this can be anything so three resources that you would recommend okay yeah so I um for mood I love um postpartum support international um they like I know you have listeners from everywhere and so they they're international um you can literally look up your area and find a healthcare um like a mental health professional who specializes in perinatal mental health in your area um they also have a ton of free resources um right now with um everything happening a lot of it's online and so nice and accessible which is key so very they'd be amazing for mental health I also love the book by Dr. Aziva Ram she's a um medical doctor she wrote a book called um, natural healing after birth and that book is fantastic it really walks you through the postpartum experience and what you can do it's it was written I think in like the early 2000s but it's still so applicable today and then you know I uh, there's a ton of different Instagram accounts that are great to follow. I try and put out information almost daily on this um, this postpartum experience, on your hormones, on your nutrition, on what's normal and what's not. So um, I hope that can be a good resource for people as well. Um, but those like Postpartum Support International and that book by Dr. Aviva Ram are fantastic for, for finding out about what's going on. Um, postpartum. Awesome. Um, I'll put all that information in the episode notes so people can find it easily. Um, and so lastly, where can people find you uh, if they want to contact you, your social media, your website? You have a beautiful website, by the way. Thank you. Um, yeah, so my, my website is themotherdoctor.com. Um, my Instagram handle is the same. It's the mother doctor. 
And then I practice in Bradford and um, in Ontario. Um, so I can see um, any patients in Ontario right now, I offer online um, care as well. Um, so anyone in Ontario, I can see. Um, and if you're not, you know, if you're outside of Ontario, you can always reach out on my Instagram and I can help you find um, a provider that's more local for you. Awesome. That's great. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. Um, I'm happy that I got to do a hormone episode. Um, and there's probably so much more that we could cover when it comes to hormones. So maybe down the road, we'll have to do a part two. Deal, deal. I could talk for hours. <laughs> I mean, how crazy are hormones, right? I hope you guys learned something in this episode and maybe, you know, it inspired you to go and get your hormones tested. Thank you so much for listening. Tuesday's episode will be a solo episode. And as per usual, I don't have any idea what I'm going to talk about, but uh, should be entertaining. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at the.mom.room. My blog is renearena.com. I have a private mom room community that is through Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash the mom room, you can join. In the mom room community, we have bi-weekly Zoom chats. We have a private Instagram account, which is super fun because I like to watch people's stories. <laughs> and we also are going to be starting podcast episodes where I am chatting with members of the community and then those episodes are going to be available just for the community. All these links will be in the episode notes along with any resources that were mentioned in this specific episode and of course all of Dr. Watson's social media accounts and her website. If you haven't already, please rate and review and subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening. Thank you so much, and I hope your children sleep tonight. Let's do, let's do, let's do.